please turn to First Corinthians, or sorry, <laughs> I'm already moving on, uh, or moving back. Uh, please turn to First John chapter 5. Come to the last passage in this book that I hope has been an encouragement to you. It's been a great encouragement to me. 1 John 5, 13 to 21, please follow along as I read. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I've entitled this message, children on the battlefield. I get that picture because of verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We are in the world as children of God. This is a world that lies in the power of the evil one. We don't. We've been rescued. But we are rescued children of God in a hostile world that, again, lies in the power of the evil one. So we've been going through 1 John for a number of months, showing that God wants His children assured of where they stand with Him. He wants us to know that we are assured. We look to those that have departed, as 1 John is doing here. They've departed the faith. They do not obey the Lord, they do not love the brethren, and they do not hold to the teaching of who Jesus Christ is. We are different. We desire to obey. You can see a pattern of obedience in our life. When we don't, we go back and confess our sins, and He's faithful and just to forgive us of our unrighteousness, of all of our unrighteousness. We obey. We love one another. We hold to the teachings of Jesus. So John is saying, be assured that you are a child of God. Now here in this last section, he talks to those who are assured. He starts with 5.13, that great purpose statement of the book. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And the book doesn't end right there. Now it talks about how to live in enemy territory. That's where we're at as we close the book. So this morning, John tells assured children how to live in a world that lies in the power of the evil one. So for our outline, we'll 
divide this passage up into two parts, two ongoing pursuits for the child of God in the world. Two ongoing pursuits for the child of God in the world. And the first is this, found in verses 13 to 19, continue protecting the spiritual lives of your brothers and sisters. Continue protecting the spiritual lives of your brothers and sisters. As children of God, we'll see that we have the listening ear of our Father. He, he listens when we go to Him with needs. He hears our prayers. I'm struck at how often God tries to show us that in the Old Testament and the New. God listens to His people. And so John says, now that you're assured of being a child of God, know that your Father listens to you and responds to your requests. So as children of God, we have the listening ear of our Father. So, therefore, it's not just pray in general. There's a specific call to a certain type of prayer in 1 John. So we go into enemy territory and seek to rescue our brothers and sisters. We call back to our Father and ask Him to rescue those brothers and sisters of ours who are maybe wandering back into enemy territory. That's what's happening in verses 14 and 19 specifically. But again, he starts with the assurance in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. The fact that God listens to our prayers as we seek to protect one another is something that is only true for believers. There is a call here at the end, a reminder that these things are true for those who believe in the name of the Son of God, who the, those who trust and depend on what the Son of God, Jesus Himself, has done for us. Jesus, coming from God, came to the world to die in the place of sinners and to give them His righteousness. He rose from the dead so that later on when He would say, and even before this, when He would say that you believe in Me, you have eternal life, you can bank on that because He rose from the dead. And the call to everyone is to believe in that way of salvation, the only way of salvation that God's given. Acknowledge your sin, believe in Jesus Christ. For those that have done that, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, the nature of the Son of God, who the Son of God is, the real Son of God. I write these things to you who believe in the real, accurate, correct Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is divine, the one who is man. Why do I write these things to you? Why do I write all of these previous five chapters to you? I'd write so that you would know that you have eternal life. I want you to be settled. I want you to be assured of where you stand with your Father. Now, if you are assured as a child of God, verse 14 is true for us. This is what it looks like moving forward. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So are you assured? Do you know that you're a child of God? What comes with that is knowing that when you pray, He listens. Good fathers listen to the needs of their children and seek to respond to the needs of their children. No different here. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of Him. 
We know that now as children of God, when we have needs, that we ask according to His will, His purposes, what He desires, we know that when we pray, He responds. This, this reminds me, and this runs parallel with what Jesus taught to John himself in the upper room as Jesus was saying, I'm about to leave and go back to the Father. I'm leaving you here. He reminded them that when you pray, the Father listens. So now the Apostle John, having learned that lesson in that upper room, tells the followers of Christ, tells the children of God, listen, when you're a child of God, when you are right with Him, when you are in a relationship with Him, when you are His, when you pray as you live out in this world, He listens. John just telling us what Jesus told him. Verse 16, what type of prayer does John have in mind? To say that John wants us to pray as children of God and to know that our prayers are answered is true, but it's too general. He gets specific here. John, do you have a type of prayer that you'd like us to pray? Do you have a type of prayer in mind? Yes. Verse 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, ask, pray, and God will give him, the sinning brother, life. So let's make sense of a few terms here. A a brother committing a sin not leading to death. He'll talk in a little bit about the sin leading to death. So he talks about two categories of sins. Well, in light of what we've seen in the book, and in light of what we see in other places in the Scripture, there is a type of sin that leads to eternal death that he's talking about here. The type of sin he has in mind is apostasy. Once claiming to be a follower of God, but straying from the teaching that he's given us. Straying from the truth about his son, which was the case here in 1 John. Straying from his commands and rejecting them. No longer following the teaching of God, but straying off and going astray. That's the sin that leads to death, apostasy. So John's saying, listen, if you see a brother committing a sin, not a sin that that leads to death, I'm talking about a sin that doesn't lead to death. So every other kind of sin. A brother sinning, not apostatizing, but just sinning. If you see a brother sinning, you ask of God, Ask for their protection, ask for their keeping, and God will give that to them. God will give them life. See, John wants us now as assured children of God to protect our brothers and sisters here by prayer, by praying for them. See, it's the picture of, of a Christian, a child of God. Think of World War I images, okay? Two, two trenches the allies and the enemies, so the good guys and the bad guys, okay, the children of God in this trench and the, the enemy of the children of God over in this trench. This is the departed. These are the people that have left. They've rejected. They, they, they were over here. They said they were over here. Now they've rejected and gone over to enemy territory. And now what are they trying to do? They're trying to lure people across, across no man's land to come to the enemy. They do that, they entice them to sin. The world's calling out to the children of God, enticing them to sin. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, come out of our trench where we're secured and safe. We come out of our trench and start walking across no man's land, listening to the enemy. And so this is John saying, 
call out to God. He listens to you. As you're in this trench and you see a brother or sister wandering over there, call out to God. Say, God, send in the forces. Send in the spiritual power. Rescue them. Plead to God. Call to Him and He'll listen to you and give them life. Bring them back home. That's what's happening here. So call out to your Father on behalf of your brothers and sisters and God will give them life. Again, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. In his mind, apostasy, those who've rejected. I do not say one should pray for that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not, I've been talking about the departed this whole book. I'm not talking about that anymore. I'm talking about you and your brothers and sisters. As you see brothers and sisters wander and get closer to the enemy, call out to God and seek to rescue them, and God will give them life. I'm not talking about the apostates. I'm talking about your brothers and sisters. I do not say one should pray for that. 17, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. All sin is wrong, but apostasy is the sin that leads to death. Other sins that we're engaged in So this is for believers. Again, believers in Jesus Christ. We believe in who He is. We believe in what He came to do. We do love the brothers. We do love obedience. But sometimes, if we're honest, we have weak moments, don't we? Sometimes even weak seasons. And this is a call to the one who's been born of God, us as believers, to reach out and seek to protect our brothers and sisters, then the main way to do that, the the first way to do that is to call out to God so that they would be rescued. You see a brother or sister starting to look at the things of the world to be drawn into those, pray, 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 pray. I think of, I can't remember who the author is, but one author talking about the church being the group of people that help one another finish help one another cross the finish line. As God's given us the power to protect one another and God listens to us and answers our prayers, He calls us to help one another cross the finish line. That's what John wants us to do. And this isn't new to the book of 1 John, is it? He often talks about loving our brothers and sisters. Do you remember the negative example he uses of this from the Bible? He goes back to Cain in chapter 3, doesn't he? He goes back to Cain when he says in 3.11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. So he's used an example of not protecting your brother, not caring for your brother. In fact, when God came to Cain, he said, where's Abel? Where's your brother? And what did Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, Cain, wait till 1 John 5 is written. Yes, you were supposed to be his keeper. This is a call to be our brother's keeper. Not to be like Cain, but to keep our brothers. How do we do that? A number of ways, but in this passage, prayer. Pray for them. Pray for the wandering, the straying believer. Verse 18 We know that everyone who's been born of God, a term that he's used already five other times in this book, all referring to believers, we know that everyone who's been born of God, us, 
does not keep on sinning. We have a new pattern, a new way of life, and it's not an unrepentant, constant sin. We've been born again. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, protects this person. So, true believers don't go on sinning in an unrepentant fashion. They can, like we all do, fall into wrong thinking and moments of weakness. But the good news is the one who's been born of God protects them. This is John talking about the privileges of being in the family of God. We protect our brothers and sisters. And the evil one does not touch him. We radio back to headquarters and we say, we need more weaponry, we need more planes, we need you to send the artillery over to this point. We've got a straying brother, the enemy's trying to grab them, and God sends and ends up protecting our brother and sister through our prayers and our care. That's what John's getting at. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God, his brother and sister, protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Now, sometimes we read that passage and we think, the one born of God, Jesus protects us from the evil one. Theologically and from other passages, that is true. It's also true, theologically and from other passages, that there's a sense that believers protect themselves. Keep yourself in the love of God. That's also true. There's a couple truths. There's also a sense, theologically, and I believe that's what this passage is talking about, that we protect one another from the evil one. And that's what John's getting at here. Again, he's already given us the opposite example of the one who doesn't protect his brother, Cain, and he says, don't be like that. You love your brothers. He's used this word born of God over and over again in 1 John, and it always refers to believers in 1 John. And other scripture passages call us to this type of protection for one another. Jude 22 and 23, have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire. James 5, 19 to 21, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So you see what's happening here. If, if sometimes we think, okay, who, who saves a soul from death? Well, God does. Jesus does. True. But James's point in James 5 says that we're also a part of keeping one another. And again, in referring to a believer, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. We're not the ones who die on the cross for one another. That's Jesus. We've got one capital S Savior. But Jesus also seeks to help us cross the finish line by using one another to do that. That's why James uses that language. Galatians 6, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, if there's any um, hand motions I've done all throughout 1 John, it's this. You've gotten used to this. 
I've talked about the love that comes from God and is intended to go through us and have its complete effect as we love one another, right? I've been doing that over and over again. Just go to the YouTube, fast forward, you'll see a bunch of this, okay? (laughs) The love of God coming to us and then intended to be sent out to others. That includes the protection that God gives to the believer. It is true, John chapter 10, that no one will snatch us out of the hand of the Father and of the Son. 1 John is showing that happens through us as well. So yes, it's theologically true. God will keep his own. And he does it through the family of God keeping one another, guarding one another, protecting one another. And that's what John's trying to show. And it makes sense because he's been telling us what it means to love one another all throughout. And even in chapter 4, he talked about the love that God's shown us in the salvation that Jesus has accomplished for us, the, being the propitiation for our sins. And the argument is, if he loved you in that sacrificial way, you love one another that way. So the argument here, God is the one who protects you and he protects you as you seek to protect, or he protects the believer as you seek to protect the believer as well. You, you work out his power, his protecting power and his protecting work. So, brother and sister, know that when you see a straying believer, the first thing to do is to go to your father and to pray for them. And those are the prayers that he wants us to know that he answers. Because it says in verse 16, he shall ask God and God will give him, give that straying believer. He will give them life. Again, it's the picture of spiritual prisoners of war. They've been, they're children of God. They've been freed from the enemy. They actually were rescued and brought over to our side, but for some reason, the enemy has tried to lure them back, and they come out of the bunker, and they start going into no man's land, and we're saying, no, don't go there. You've been freed. Don't go back. God, send in the power to destroy this enemy, to keep this enemy from my brother and sister. That's the picture. John Stott, in writing about this passage, says this, the assurance of eternal life, which Christians should enjoy, ought not to lead him into a preoccupation with himself to the neglect of others. On the contrary, he will recognize his duty in love to care for his brother or sister in need. Whether the need he sees be material, like in chapter 3, 17 and 18, or here, spiritual. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin, he cannot say, am I my brother's keeper and do nothing? No. As as assured children of God, we know that he's called us into action to help protect our brothers and sisters. So, brothers and sisters... Have a regular time where you are praying for the spiritual needs, the spiritual protection, the spiritual keeping of your brothers and sisters in this body. We send out weekly emails with prayer requests. Read through them, pray them to our Father. Father, we need some strength here. Father, we need them to be kept here and there. Father, the the enemy might be gaining sway over here. There, Father, protect them. We have a membership directory that you can pray through. You can go from Anderson to Zamudio 
and everywhere in between, praying for the spiritual protection of your brothers and sisters. Father, don't let them be enticed by the world. Father, keep them. Keep them focused on your fatherly care, nothing else. Pray those types of prayers. And listen, one of the testimonies of this church over the last nine years is that those prayers have been answered. Praise the Lord, this passage is true. We've seen it. New believers, if you're a newer believer, John's been showing us over and over again the need to be reassured that you're a child of God. But like I needed to be taught as a new believer, your new life now, being a child of God, means that you've got brothers and sisters who you care for. So just know that as a new believer, part of your mission, part of your duty is to understand that this whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Believers don't lie under his power, but we can start to look at him again and look at the things he tries to entice us with. So we seek to rescue our brothers and sisters. That might mean speaking up. That might mean having uncomfortable conversations. Again, we've taught before, it is unchristian to say, well, that's their business. That doesn't mean be a busybody. There's a distinction there in Scripture. But to go and say, brother, I've got a concern, or sister, help me understand this or that, and to be praying for them. We are the ones that God determines should protect one another. He protects us by giving us brothers and sisters to protect us. So continue protecting the spiritual lives of your brothers and sisters. Secondly, continue adhering to an accurate understanding of Jesus Hold fast to the teaching that you've received. As Jesus taught the apostles and then gave them his spirit so that they would accurately teach him, stand on what the apostles have taught you about Jesus and don't swerve. Continue adhering to an accurate understanding of Jesus. God has given us a correct understanding of his son. We saw that last week. God's Spirit has taken the truth about Jesus, taken our minds and hearts, and brought them together so that we would believe truth. And the call in 1 John, because there are people that have wandered from the truth, have gone out from the church, and who don't hold to the teaching of Jesus, or even the teaching about Jesus, this is saying, you hold to the truth that you've been given. You hold on to that. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Jesus came and taught us who He is and what salvation is. He's taught us our faith, capital F, propositional truths about Him. He is man. He is God. He saves sinners. To believe things other than that is wandering from the truth. It's believing in lies. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. Now, a good way to understand the word true here is to think of we know Him who's real. See, truth, biblically speaking, is real. Lies are not real. There are many ways to God, not just through Jesus. That is a lie. And it's not real. When you stand before your creator, you can't say, I followed this other way to get to you. Guess what? It's not true. It will not lead to eternal life. It's false. Truth is real. 
So we know him who's true, who's real, the real Savior, the real Son of God. And we are in him who is true, who is real, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You think John's trying to send a message here? We know the only real way to the Father through Jesus Christ. See, this is what we believed when we came to faith in Jesus. He's the way, He's the truth, and He's the life. There's no other way to get to the Father but through Him. Now, there are people who have said those things intellectually, but have ended up wandering off into other saviors and twisted the teaching about who Jesus is. And they've gone out from us in the words of 1 John 2. And so John's writing and saying, listen, as you are assured children of God, as you live in enemy territory, realize that the enemy is not just going to try to to bring you back, not just going to try to allure you. He's also going to send out propaganda so that you believe wrong things about your Savior. The enemy does that as well. Part of warfare is propaganda. Do you know this about your president? I didn't think so. And then people start questioning their leader. Satan does that. Do you know this about Jesus? Oh, really? I never knew that. Because it's not true. Starting to believe a lie. So, continue adhering to an accurate understanding of who Jesus is. And then final verse in verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, in this book, John loves to use words and phrases over and over again. Born of God. Child of God, propitiation, he uses twice. Love one another, he uses over and over again. This, this book is just a bunch of repeated words and phrases to make his point. And then we're given the very last word here that he's never brought up before. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Where did that come from? Think of the context. They are believing in a different Jesus than the apostles have taught. Little children, you keep believing in who we've taught you that Jesus is because Jesus taught us this about himself and God the Father sent him. So you believe us, you see this in chapter one, then you believe the Father. You believe us, you're right with God. You keep holding to this Jesus. Don't try to start or don't start wandering off and believing about some different idol, some different Jesus. So when people try to tell you that Jesus was not God, he only became God later on, don't believe in idols. Idols are lies, idols are false. We believe in the real, the true Jesus. When people tell you that Jesus was not truly man, don't believe it. The apostles have taught us something else. So keep believing what the apostles have told us about Jesus. Continue adhering to an accurate understanding of Jesus. That's why in 2.24, John told us, let what you heard in the beginning remain in you, abide in you. Keep holding to the truth about what you've learned about Jesus from the apostles. It's as if we've 
been to an airport, you know what it's like. You're standing there inside the terminal. You look out the windows. You see planes out there. It's as if God, through the apostles, God has sent the apostles. And the apostles have stood next to us as we're looking out the window, and they said, see those planes out there? One goes to Spokane. One goes to Albuquerque. One goes to San Diego. You need to board the one that goes to San Diego. That one over there is the one that goes to San Diego. I know they look the same. They aren't the same. I know some people might tell you that they're all the same. They're not. Listen, you listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. God sent me to tell you which plane to get on. So then you walk out of the terminal and go with me here. You walk outside and there's three planes. You can get on whatever one you want, okay? And you think, well, they look the same. Uh, there's not much difference. And Albuquerque, those passengers seem to maybe have something that appeals to me. Uh, they, they all, I mean, I just, I'll get on and say I want to go to San Diego. Remember what the apostle in the terminal told you. Go to that plane over there. Stay committed to that plane. This apostle knows what he's talking about because Jesus sent him and the Father sent him. He knows what he's talking about. Stay with the teaching of who Jesus is. Don't believe other fables, other tales that will dress themselves up in religion. Hold to the apostles' teaching. That's why Ephesians 2.20 says that we are built on the apostles' teaching, Christ being the cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone. He taught, and this whole foundation goes around him, and that whole foundation is the apostles' teaching. We're built on that. Don't wander away from that foundation. So, brothers and sisters, keep knowing and learning about Jesus from the Scriptures. Go with who the apostles say he is. If they say he's man, guess what? He's man. If they say he's God, guess what? He's truly God as well. Believe what they say. They say he comes to save sinners. Believe that he comes to save sinners. Believe what they say. This is God's testimony to you. You know, one of the reasons we appreciate our confession of faith, our London confession of faith, is because so often it's been used as a teaching tool. It's a a way to get instruction about who Jesus is based on the Scriptures. It's just the teaching of Scripture. So even then, it may be that you go through our confession of faith this year. Read through it. Understand what the Scriptures teach about Jesus. Follow the links to the Scriptures that point to these things. Stay committed. Continue adhering to an accurate understanding of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, as we end this book, which is rather bittersweet, (laughs) if I'm honest. As we end the teaching of this book, John gives us two ongoing pursuits for the child of God in the world. The child of God who is still in a world where there are people bound to the enemy. Two ongoing pursuits, continue protecting the spiritual lives of your brothers and sisters and continue adhering to an accurate understanding of Jesus. I got to see this in real life, a real life illustration 
of what John's calling us to. I got to see this in our church. This has long been true of our church. People spiritually protecting one another. Again, I, it's the story of, it's one of the stories of the last nine years. Not an individualistic type of place that you reluctantly come to and are a part of, but a group of people committed to caring for one another. This is what has been true of us. A group of people that have committed, been committed to who Jesus is. What the Bible, what the apostles teach about who Jesus is. Got to see this in real life yesterday at the funeral of Carlton and Arlene. I was just in awe of the body of Christ yesterday. A number of you there. A number of you part of caring for them. Again, chapter 3 in 1 John tells us to love one another by actually meeting needs, to love in deed and truth, not just in word. Yesterday's funeral was full of people who, from this body, who loved that couple well and sought to meet their needs, to protect them, to care for them in rather sacrificial ways. There are also a number of people in their lives represented yesterday who sought to spiritually protect them, remind them about what Jesus taught, remind them about who Jesus is. And I just, going through 1 John 5, and I had a conclusion before yesterday. I was going to include this message with a different conclusion. Then I got to that funeral and saw and was reminded of ways that this body has cared for that family. And I thought, that's this passage in real life, in the life of our church. That's how you live as an assured child of God. You keep protecting one another, and you hold to the teaching of Jesus that God has given us in His Word. Let's pray. Father, we praise You for this book, a book of comfort, a book of exhortation. <coughs> Father, would You continue to give us that rest for our souls, assure us of our place in your family because of your son and give us the spiritual strength and love to protect our brothers and sisters and to guard and to hold on to the truth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.